Welcome to this Euractive debate on the EU agenda for global forests, getting the balance right. I'm Brian McGuire and our event today is supported by Costarol, uh, Fidiol and FIFAX. Thanks uh, to our supporters uh, for this. You can follow the debate at uh, hashtag EADebates and please tweet your comments using the hashtag. Our social media team uh, will respond. And to ask questions, go to the chat section and use the ask button. I will come to the questions a little bit later on as well. So uh, please use your name or your organization if you're willing to do that as well, we can direct the questions accordingly. The EU engagement in negotiating forest partnerships for the period 2022 to 2027 is expected to deliver on the European Green Deal priorities, as well as the EU's development uh, cooperation objectives, including poverty alleviation and human rights. In its resolution to the European Green Deal, uh, the European Parliament called for a European legal framework based on due diligence to ensure sustainable and deforestation-free supply. Cleaning up supply chains will remain a key priority for the EU, but industry argues that the process should build on existing actions and rely on a smart mix of different measures, which requires the establishment of solid partnerships and mutual understanding with producing countries. In just a few minutes, we'll be joined by the European Commissioner for Environment, Oceans and Fisheries, Virginia Sinkovicius. He's currently across the street in council uh, with the agri-fish. Uh, but now, let's meet our panel uh, to discuss uh, these issues. We have with us uh, today uh, Samira Rafaela, uh, who is still connecting, but she'll be with us in just a second. Uh, Samira is a member of the European Parliament, a member of the Intercommittee uh, in the European Parliament. Carla Montesi is Director of the Green Deal Europe, uh, Digital Agenda at the European Commission. Great to see you, Carla. And Hurt van der Biel, he's a Senior Policy Advisor at Solidaridad uh, Europe. And also joining us today is Marta uh, Zuluaga Zilberman. She's Vice President of Government uh, Relations Europe, Middle East and Africa at Cargill, and also Chair of the Environment and Sustainability Working Group at Fediol. Uh, great to see you all with us today. Uh, Samir will join us in just a second. And in the meantime, I ask you just for your opening statements, a short 60 seconds, two minutes maximum. Uh, Carla, you want to kick off? You're on mute for the moment. I am mute, so sorry. I can hear you now, perfectly. There we go. We can hear you now. Okay. Off you go. Many, many thanks. And uh, allow me to say that, uh, uh, yes, of course, forest, uh, it's uh, an important issue for us. And uh, what we want to propose is really to build on uh, Foresting partnership. Uh, we really think that forest is a global issue. Deforestation has many facets. Uh, fighting deforestation requires a global integrated response and uh, take into account really local needs and the specificity. So the issue that we need to face, as you have just mentioned, is how we can meet global needs and reduce deforestation worldwide while supporting partner countries' development objective and respecting countries' sovereignty. Over to you. Thank you, excellent. Uh, Hertz, uh, over to you, 60 seconds or so. Okay, thank you. Well, good afternoon. My name is uh, Gert van der Bijl. I'm International Policy Advisor at Solidaridad. Um, I first want to say that we absolutely welcome the European Commission's legislative proposals on deforestation. We have been active as Solidaridad in voluntary measures for decades. Um, and we think that more is needed than only voluntary measures to really make uh, uh, the 
global agriculture sustainable. And I think two things are needed to be added. First is partnership agreements with um, the seven, eight um, most important uh, producing countries involving the main stakeholders there like producers as well uh, to really make sure that uh, the measures that European is taking to make its uh, supply chains clean will also have impact beyond the supply chains um, and these partnerships can also be a condition for trade agreement with these countries. Second point we want to uh, uh, stress is to, to, that it's important to make sure that smallholders are actually profiting from the, the measures and not excluded. In cocoa, coffee, rubber, but also in palm oil, smallholders produce an important part of the commodities worldwide uh, and they should be supported with uh, technical support, access to finance, land titles and also carbon credits to make sure that they are really stimulated to produce without deforestation. And if we combine that legislative measures with partnership agreements and smallholders uh, support, we can make sure that we both clean up our supply chains, but also actually reduce global deforestation. Thank you. There, Marta, Samira's a little upside down. We'll go correct that in just a second. Marta, 60 seconds. Right, I'll be more than two minutes, but I'll make sure that I won't go beyond, <laughs> if I may. I think, um, no, but thank you very much for the invitation. And and, and indeed, I mean, as Gert said, and, and Carla as well, I mean, we do acknowledge as industry that the loss of uh, forest and natural habitat is a, is a very serious issue and concern to us all. And, and of course, this is why we're also very supportive of the EU action and the strategy that is going to come up in order to combat deforestation. I think as an industry, I mean, our industry has been involved for more than a, a decade um, on actions to, to protect forests. And, and today there is a comprehensive set of measures or let's say or tools that are available, including monitoring, including traceability, also with new technologies such as satellite uh, imagery or, or remote sensing, which are widely and voluntarily used uh, by companies on the ground to really um, assess and identify, assess and, and manage the risk. Um, many of our companies as well in our sectors have taken uh, you know, commitments and also they have internal policies and goals to end deforestation in their supply chains and they're working on a daily basis really with farmers on the ground to try and impact that change and, and, and make better practices. Um, but is this sufficient? I mean, certainly not. And this is exactly what we hear today. This is exactly what we need more action than just the voluntary action that has been going on uh, to date. And, and that is why we are supportive as well of a new legislation that is going to help scale up and, and really um, enhance and accelerate that sustainable transformation in agriculture commodity supply chains. I think maybe to the point that, that Her mentioned earlier, I think factors that drive deforestation may be linked to agricultural commodities um, in, in many cases, but I think there are very complex socioeconomical reasons as well behind. And so finding a way of helping to address these underlying factors that are that are there it's, it's, is really essential. And this is why when looking at, at a new legislation or with the signing EU legislation, I mean, I think there should be a combination of um, demand side and also supply chain, supply side measures, including voluntary actions and, and mandatory actions and involving of producer countries as well as EU actors in the in the in the market. Um, this would help both reduce our impact as as um, as EU consumers on on deforestation, but also ultimately help solve the the problem of of how we stop deforestation worldwide, which should be the end goal. Thank you.
Arthur, thank you. Uh, we're still trying to get uh, Samira back. Uh, her iPad needs to flip around the other way and has to reconnect. In the meantime, uh, Carla, just in, in broad terms, in terms of, let's put this in the context of the Green Deal and how this all moves forward as well. The smart mix uh, that's necessary to clean up our supply chains, what does that look like in real terms? What's uh we have just a listen. There will be a, a mix of intervention between the, the voluntary and the mandatory approach. Um, not focusing on the legislation because, uh, as you know very well, legislation, not this EU diligence, uh, is something that is under preparation. Our commissioner will say something in a moment. So I will let our colleagues from the G environment to, to come more on this due diligence uh, part. But it's clearly our action will be a mix between the due diligence as mandatory step and a mix of voluntary approach and also a mix of support of a dialogue that we want to have with our partner countries. We, we Allow me to say that we will propose two main axes of, of intervention. Uh, First, we really consider that we must raise the profile and the value of the forest. Uh, for example, questions related to human rights linked to forest exploitation could be tackled as clearly as a part of the, our political dialogue between our partner countries and the European Union. So first, really raise the profile, deepen our dialogue uh, with the partner countries. Um, we, second, we really need to address forests in a holistic and integrated approach uh, in order to cover the exploitation of the multifunctionalities of a forest. Uh, this will also, you mentioned the link with the Green Deal, this will enable us to deal with the climate and the biodiversity perspective, but also to the sustainable, uh, sustainable exploitation of, of this forest, also in a context of a bio and the secure economy. Uh, Linked to the Green Deal, uh, of course, uh, um, I would say the second action, uh, the second step of action that we would like to lead is uh, clearly take into account the agriculture. You know that the European Union is traditionally the main donor in agriculture. We are spending around 1.2 billion euro per year in partner countries. Now we really need to promote sustainable value chain and in particular in the agricultural sector that as you know uh, wood drives the bulk of deforestation uh, we are clearly said in our communication on 2019 that uh, we uh, we said we in fact we take a strong commitment that uh, any european union support will not lead to deforestation so this implied that uh, also in all our work on the agriculture we need to mainstreaming deforestation and we are doing this into our methodology on value chain for development so i i, I stop here but just here to demonstrate the link uh, that we have and our holistic integrated approach take into account also the impact that we we'll have on climate change and on our work to support the agricultural sector
Thank you. Over to Hurt, you. Do you have confidence that uh, any voluntary action will produce fruit, or do you, do you think it's necessary to regulate all the way down the supply chain here? Or is a smart mix a nice phrase, but uh, hides some other outcome? Well, I think everyone now agrees that we need a smart mix. Uh, and I think everyone agrees we need this mix. But the question is, what is really smart? Um, and well, we have been involved in voluntary measures for decades, starting with, with fair trade, uh, coffee in the 80s uh, and, and work uh, in, in a lot of commodities. And working on voluntary measures has had impact, but we need more. And, and uh, only voluntary measures will not lead to the kind of impact that we need to really um, promote um, social development and reduce deforestation to the level that we need. Um, and uh, I think it is important also to realize that there is an urgency. Uh, we have had many uh, commitments from a large number of companies and it's difficult to find a company that really met its uh, 2020 zero deforestation commitment. So I think it is indeed necessary to combine voluntary measures with strict uh, government, government legislation. Um, but also we need to realize that we actually cannot do without government regulation because only government uh, or only uh, company measures and only voluntary measures will not bring us where we need to uh, be. And I, I would also hope that we can speed up the process and come up with concrete measures before uh, the climate COP so that uh, also at the climate COP we can uh, show what Europe and, and also the private sector of Europe uh, together are going to do and really make this part of a worldwide agreement to reduce deforestation and to uh, reduce the emission of uh, climate gases. Okay. Thank you. Marta, who matters more in this equation? Is it the government side or is it the large uh, purchaser? For example, you know, if you uh, and any large organization, Coca-Cola for example, decides that they want to change their procurement process to exclude anything which uh, affects uh, deforestation and, and clean up that supply chain, you know, every, every element of, the, of their production process moves in line with that. Government can never really do that and certainly can't do it in a hurry. So, you know, for you, who matters more, the initiative of the private sector or the, the regulation from the public sector? Thanks for the question. I think it comes a bit of both, right? So the answer is like there's not one silver bullet, there's not one silver one one unique policy from governments or actions from companies that would allow that. I mean, and that's why again we go back to the smart mix of measures. So what do we mean by that? I think first and foremost, I mean, we've been discussing and we've heard about due diligence, right? So mandatory due diligence, having that at the European Union level, and think, I mean, our industry is uh, is embracing that, and I think it can it can bring, I mean, uh, go a long way to increase both the transparency, I think accountability for companies in better understanding the risk in the supply chains and also have actions to mitigate those risks and report on that, right? And, and increasing the level playing field amongst all the companies um, in Europe and elsewhere. And I think then it comes, so that is a government intervention, I think, but it needs to go hand in hand with continue those partnerships and, and really looking again and what is the, the 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 core of the problem? I mean, what are the underlying factors, the like poverty or land 
tenure, capacity building, uh, need for more financial incentives that really would promote that change at the scale. Because a company can maybe leave, um, you know, a region or a country or, or an area um, and not source from there, but that really won't help solve the problem um, uh, at the end. So that's what we need to work together. When we talk about due diligence, we have Samira back actually. Samira, can you hear us now? Well, good okay, let's unmute as well. There we go. Okay, you should be good now. Samira, can you hear um, us now? Good. Yes, I can hear you. Can yes, right. let's, uh, you can make your opening remarks now. It would be great to have you. All right, thank you so much. And uh, I apologize for the inconvenience, but this is the, you know, the new world that we are living in and working in. And uh, hopefully it will get a bit, bit normal soon. Um, so, uh, first of all, thank you to, uh, to you and to your active for um, inviting me uh, to this conference. It's a very important topic uh, that I definitely work on uh, in the European Parliament. So, um, deforestation is a very pressing issue worldwide, uh, which the EU and the, and the world need to address, I believe. Uh, the European Parliament, Parliament is actively engaging with policy to contribute to reversing deforestation worldwide. Um, and within the international trade, uh, climate change and deforestation are becoming more important in our bilateral uh, relations as well as multilateral efforts. Uh, for example, through the biodiversity strategy and green, green initiatives within the World Trade Organization. And for me, a key pillar of trade policy's contribution to deforestation efforts will be the upcoming mandatory due diligence legislation. So through effective due diligence legislation, responsibility for actions in the supply chain of logging can be monitored. And in, in addition, where violence, uh, violations occur, uh, the EU has tools to address these issues. So every link in the chain from producer to consumer has a role to uh, in chain responsibility in addressing, viol addressing violations. And that should be our common goal uh, to address deforestation uh, worldwide effectively. Additionally, EU free trade agreements have the potential to contribute to tackling deforestation. So with ambitious trade agreements, the EU can stimulate sustainable development, combat deforestation, and also make sure that countries respect the international standards. Trade policy is one of the EU's most powerful tools, I believe. Uh, to make sure that our international partners respect the standards on sustainability, on climate. Um, and this, of course, needs to go hand in hand with enforcement of the agreed uh, upon standards. So there is not one answer to tackling deforestation. It's a mix of policy as well as companies and citizens uh, who want to contribute to tackling climate change. Thank you. Thank you. Samira, I want to stay with you just now because I know you, you have to leave at about 5.30. So uh, let's, let's talk about the due diligence element and how uh, the Parliament may see this as well. You, we've had very, various forms of greenwashing at different stages. As, uh, so how do we avoid uh, a, a kind of greenwashing in the system when it comes to deforestation as well? How, how can the regulation, how can the due diligence process uh, be toughened up to make sure uh, that uh, there's sufficient transparency there, that the speed of action is robust enough as well? You know, from your perspective, from Parliament's perspective, uh, how do you envisage this happening? I believe that's why the the aspect of mandatory is very important. So first of all, we need to work with mandatory due diligence because otherwise I think it's very hard um, to enforce. So if you want to enforce, you need to make sure that 
you can you can uh, well you can tell the international partners to respect the international standards and i think it's very important also to work with companies very well and if, when we speak about due diligence you need to make sure that we talk about the whole supply chain because otherwise it will be very hard to tackle the problem as a whole um so that that would be my main important uh thing you need to make it mandatory otherwise you cannot enforce it and you need to make sure that the standards and the criteria are very clear um so so that there is no um so that so this so this is not unclear so it's very clear where we go to and what we can enforce in terms of the mercosur agreement as well is this robust enough do we have the right instruments there uh, should it be tougher when it comes to deforestation Samira? well it is a very yes it's a very um, worrisome um, element of course uh, that uh, that i think is there when it comes to uh, the mercosur agreement i do believe that we need to find a look, uh, we need to find a way forward uh, to go through with Mercosur because I don't, do think it can set an example of how we can use trade agreements to make sure that it works for the climate um, and that it respects sustainability. But um, I, I do think that things need to be better and and more more so so we need more strength when it comes to the trade and sustain, sustainability chapters in Mercosur agreement. Um, and this is exactly an example of where we can make these standards and these criteria very clear um, and that we also need to work at the same time on a clear toolbox of enforcement mechanisms. So I think Mercosur is a really good example of why mandatory due diligence is necessary, but also why we still need to work here in the EU on an assertive toolbox so that we can enforce such standards. Thank you. Uh, Marta, greenwashing and due diligence as well. How do we uh, make this, this, this system, the process, sufficiently transparent uh, so that we can uh, avoid the risk of greenwashing? Marta. No, no, I think, I mean, on that question, I would agree totally with Samira. I think it's more a matter of how to make it a balance, um, you know, a balanced system, right? That is clear that where we're working with agreed guidelines and agreed definitions at international level that we're looking into not, re not reinventing the wheel, but rather what is already there that we can build on, for instance, OECD guidelines or, or other, um, and, and really make sure that it is applied to every single operator in the supply chain so that we are all clear again about what are the, the, you know, the rules, the roles and the responsibilities of each other, and then we can all work in, in collaboration. Thank you. The rules, the rules and responsibilities signed by so far. Uh, Hurt, uh, you, you, you talk about the small suppliers in this chain as well, and it's easy to overlook uh, their voice because uh, they may be disparate and uh, the, the, the volume is not so loud. But So how can the, the rights of small producers uh, be protected and how can they be incentivized to play a stronger role in protecting uh, our planet from deforestation? Well, first of all, I think it's important to realize that the role of small producers in a lot of uh, supply chains where deforestation is an issue is large uh, in, in uh, cocoa, coffee uh, or rubber. Uh, around 80% of our production comes from smallholders in, in uh, palm oil around 40%. So making sure that uh, measures are inclusive is not only an issue of, uh, of social equity, but also about uh, being effective. If we really want to reduce deforestation, 
we should engage smallholders and we should address uh, what is the uh, root cause behind it, which is often poverty. So, and that also means uh, that measures uh, reducing deforestation should also be integrated uh, in, in due diligence measures. Um, and, and that it's also about who has the power and, and what uh, level of payments are there. And, and there is a role both for companies uh, and governments there. If uh, we do not really address uh, the income situation in cocoa, in coffee or in palm oil, we will not be effective in reducing deforestation. So it's not only about saying to farmers, thou shall not deforest. It's also about working with them on improvement of the income situation. And that's certainly the case for smallholders. How do you achieve that without some form of subsidy? Because the, the market is not going to bear the cost of uh, increased cocoa price, for example, especially in, in uh, a difficult season. You know, how, how can that market be adapted to ensure that there's compliance with a, a no uh, deforestation approach? Hurt. Well, that, that will requ require market interventions. And, and in cocoa, there are discussions about a uh, living income differential. And, and there is a role both for the private sector, for the European government and for local governments together to, to ensure uh, that prices are being paid at such a level that farmers can uh, earn an income. Um, and, and only markets will not solve that. That will require a good cooperation between uh, companies, governments, uh, um, but also uh, with uh, civil society organizations and uh, NGOs like Solidaridad uh, and many others that are working in cocoa, but also with smallholders uh, uh, in, in palm oil, for instance. Uh, and, and what we see also in palm oil in uh, uh, countries like Indonesia and Malaysia, that it is possible to combine uh, uh, economic progress, reducing uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions by less uh, deforestation um, uh, and a future for smallholders. So it is possible, but that does require uh, good cooperation and intervention and working with smallholders on the ground. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner is just uh, connecting at the moment. Uh, Samir, just the last question before you run off. Um, so you, you've had a Last uh, point, because yes, I go unfortunately ahead. need to leave, so on that, so just to add, I think that we should also not underestimate the the movement of consumers uh, that are every day demanding more when it comes to these kind of standards. So, you, so the companies will also face a movement of consumers that are asking for transparency, that are asking for transparency when it comes to how products are being made and whether that that was with respect for uh, labor conditions, for, for example. And I also don't think that we should underestimate uh, a movement that exists of companies that is already working hard themselves on, um, on this and on due diligence. So I expect also that it will be influenced uh, throughout the years um, by, by, movement, by movement of, of consumers and companies already uh, trying to, to do their best to improve these kind of standards. MEP, thank you so much for joining us. And now we switch over uh, to uh, Commissioner Virginius uh, Sinkovicius, who's been liberated uh, by council and uh, has joined us. Good to see you again, sir. Good afternoon. Good 
Okay, I can't just check your microphones on there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Perfect. Okay. Floor is yours. There you go. The floor is all yours, sir. Thank you very much. Um, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, of course, thank you for this invitation. And, and uh, speaking about the topic, you know, expectations are very high when it comes to 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 deforestation. It's 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 high on the political agenda. It's it's very high on the commission's agenda. It's an important matter for you companies, NGOs, and of course citizens. And it's a key topic for everyone on the ground in uh, the producing countries. And that's why we are so determined. Uh, it's one of those files where everything comes together, climate and biodiversity, social stability and security, human rights, health and, and livelihoods. And that is really important when one considers that there are about 1.6 billion people around the globe whose livelihood depend on, on, on forests. For all these reasons, tackling deforestation is an important element in European Green Deal. And of course, we know now the issue is even more pressing in the aftermath of COVID-19. And what we have learned about the cause of pandemics, there is good scientific evidence to show that clearing forests and, and, and converting them to cropland increases the likelihood of new diseases emerging as a result of the multiplying contacts between humans and wildlife. It would be wonderful if we had an easy answer. But deforestation and forest degradation are very complex. We can have overall objectives like protecting existing forests, especially primary forests, and significantly increasing sustainable biodiverse forest cover worldwide. But the solutions need to be specific not only to each country, but to each region as well. Of course, we are not starting from a scratch. The EU has a strong track record here, especially when it comes to supporting partner countries with their forest-related objectives. Between 2014 and 2020, the EU invested more than 650 million euros to support forest-related programs in partner countries. Under our action plan the, the, for forest uh, law enforcement, governance and trade, we have worked with over 20 countries, strengthening legality across the forest sector, putting in place sectoral reforms and building capacity in the private sector. To give you a bit of history, the EU has been using soft and regulatory approaches to deal with deforestation and forest degradation for nearly two decades now, since its first action plan back in 2003. There are two central elements to our approach. We have the EU timber regulation, which prohibits the placing of legal, uh, illegal timber on the internal market and requires EU operators to exercise due diligence. And we have the flag regulation, which steps, sets up a, a, a licensing scheme for timber imports and voluntary partnership agreements between the EU and timber producing countries. So in the past, the main focus was on illegal logging. And the associated trade. But those activities are no longer the main drivers of deforestation. Almost 80% of global deforestation is now linked to agriculture and the raising demand for food, feed and other commodities. As a major economy and a major consumer of those commodities, the EU recognizes its responsibility. We want to be sure that, for instance, the soy, palm oil, cattle and wood sold on the EU market are not contributing to deforestation in producer countries. 
we must and want to be part of the solution. So our goal is to contribute to halting deforestation and forest degradation and promoting supply chains that are sustainable and deforestation free. Of course, major question here, what this is, what this what this will mean in, in, in practice on the ground. And, and, and as you know, we are working on a legislative proposal. We are building on past experiences and the lessons learned from existing legislation. Uh, we are also conducting a study on the role and impact of private certification schemes and the contributions they could make to additional uh, measures. Part of that process is an evaluation of the effectiveness of existing legislation, a fitness check of both the EU timber regulation and the FLECT regulation with its voluntary partnership agreements. For the EU timber regulation, a mixed picture is emerging. It has been an incentive for operators to focus on keeping their supply chains clean, but the structure and the wording of the legislation has made it difficult to use in practice. So co competent, uh, competent authorities have found it hard to prove due diligence compliance failures in courts of law. In that area, there is definitely room for improvement. Under the FLEC regulation, the voluntary partnership agreements, the so-called BPAs, have clearly proved their use in improving stakeholder participation, better forest governance, and regulatory reforms in some partner countries, but their actual impact on illegal logging and associated trade has been more limited. So we haven't found much evidence that these agreements have helped reduce illegal logging or the consumption of illegally harvested wood here in Europe. A lot of the problem is simply one of scale. The first VPA was concluded with Ghana more than a decade ago. But today, when we have 15 different VPAs at various stages of, of, of completion, there is only one operating licensing system in place in Indonesia. That means that despite our best efforts, these agreements cover only a very small part of the overall volume of trade. So the total effect on illegal timber is therefore extremely limited. So these conclusions together with the feedback from extensive public consultations, input from the European Parliament and, and studies we have carried out are quite clear. The current system of due diligence needs to be improved and enhanced, but that alone will not be enough. Any new legislation will need to be compl uh, complemented by alternative support mechanisms, which help partner countries comply with the requirements. So these mechanisms need to be tailored to specific needs and the specific interests of each partner country. And, and they should retain the elements that have proved effective while others like licensing in a trade agreement should be abandoned and, and better information will also be key. And with that in mind, we are also creating an EU observatory. It will facilitate information exchange on global deforestation, combining trade data with earth observation. So this leads to a question, where are we now? So how do things stand today? At the moment, we are finalizing the impact assessment. That means waking up uh, the options uh, that will increase transparency in supply chains, minimize the risk and, and that products associated with deforestation and forest degradation end up on the EU market. We need to be certain that all options comply with our obligations under the World Trade Organization rules and that there is no discrimination towards certain commodities. We started with a long list of 20 options. 
Now we are down to a few ones such as improved due diligence requirements, country benchmarking, mandatory public certification, mandatory labeling, or a deforestation free uh, requirement. And we also have a preliminary list of products. The main criteria for choosing them is the overall impacts of production and harvesting on forests and their level of consumption in the EU. So that list includes for now palm oil, cattle, soy, wood, cocoa, and coffee. And as I noted at the outset, we are talking about a global phenomenon. If the EU acts alone, the overall picture will change very little. Uh, we need to work with producer and consumer countries, but it's also vital to engage with business and industry. They are best placed to identify the pressure points, and they are the ones who need to take consistent action for best results. And of course, we continue to engage with partners, including in the context of our trade policy, both bilaterally and in multilateral forums. As part of this broad process of engagement, we have set up multi-stakeholder uh, platform for de uh, on deforestation. All the major players are involved and they bring enormous expertise. We have representatives from consumer and, and, and producer countries, civil society organizations, and businesses, industry association, and it's a platform for exchange, for building alliances. And of course, uh, for sharing the sort of commitments that will help us hold deforestation. Uh, we are learning a lot. And of course, it is helping us get the messages across. So finalizing, we have come a long way since the first commission proposal in its 2019 communication. Under the Green Deal, we are advancing steadily and we are advancing with care. We have no choice but, of course, to get it right. And for that to happen, we need to listen to the views from all sides. So, of course, I'm very much uh, looking forward uh, for this exchange. Uh, but let me finish here. Thank you very much uh, for your attention. Commissioner, thanks so much. And thanks so much for uh, taking the time to reorganize your schedule to, uh, to meet with us uh, after the change of plans at the Council today. Uh, great overview from the Commissioner there. And uh, let's follow up on some of the, the points uh, that the Commissioner has just raised. Hurt, you know, the level of consumption in the EU was a focal point which the Commissioner mentioned as well. So that seems like a good starting point. You know, high level consumption goods, uh, we should be able to have a, a reasonable impact by focusing in those areas. But how do we deal, how do we build the bridges with the producers and the producers? countries as the commissioner said as well hurt well I'm, I'm glad that the commissioner uh, also uh, highlighted some of the first conclusions of the impact analysis and and one of the things that st uh, did strike me was um, let's say the concerns about the F uh, the way voluntary partnership agreements worked so far and I think it's important to realize that if they have not been effective so far, we should uh, shape them in a different way, but not say that uh, partnership agreements as such will not work because there is no alternative. I think the only way we can reach impact is to work with producers on the ground and to work with local governments to make sure that what we do here in Europe in uh, cleaning our supply chain is really reaching uh, effect on the ground and and there is no alternative than to work with governments and to work with producers and um, in in some regions we do see impact of these corporations in in southeast asia in in malaysia 
uh, and, and Indonesia over the last uh, five, six years, deforestation has gone down uh, by something like 70% because of a good cooperation between the private sector, the governments uh, and also NGOs working on the ground. So it is possible, but that does require a well-managed cooperation and that can be done because in so most I just, countries... I want to bring Martin just possible. a second. Yeah. I want to bring okay. up, uh, yeah. just to, to, to conclude on this, this particular point. What does well-managed cooperation look like? What does, you know, beyond the policy statements, beyond the, uh, the stakeholder briefings, when it gets down to it, you, know, you talk about 70% reduction in deforestation. That's, that's huge. What makes that work? No, thanks for the question, but maybe I'm going to build back on what Herd was mentioning, because I think it's a very important point huh, on the voluntary partnership agreements. I think uh, without forest and producer partnerships, I mean, we won't be able to succeed. And I think indeed, I mean, if those partnerships were helpful to, to address um, some major challenges because they were basically building on the underlying problems, that's really what we should be um, building on, basically. Uh, but then to come back to your to your point, um, yes, indeed, I think building bridges with producers and on the economic factors, etc., can take places in many in many different ways, right? And so there are initiatives on the ground by individual companies that are happening nowadays, but not every company maybe has the possibility to do so. Um, and so I think there are also partnerships that include individual companies with farmers with uh, with uh, civil society with governments where they are really co-creating like good agriculture practices and they putting those in place maybe at an individual farm level but also in in bigger landscapes and jurisdictions and i think that's what we really need to aim to right it's more like how are we going to be able to build on what's already happening in origin that maybe then um, is, uh, is, uh, is promoted via means of a verification or a certification, um, uh, let's say, um, a program uh, to see how can we incorporate this into maybe what is coming through EU legislation so that we don't lose that power of, you know, the advances that have been made um, on the economic level. And I think building then as well on, on a point earlier mentioned, um, it's going to be probably very important as well to look into how do we give those um, financial incentives to, to farmers and farmers communities, right? What are those innovative ways in which we can, we can um, reward um, changing of practices of the ground from farmers uh, in, the, in, the, in the aim to get more sustainable supply chains? Carla, you know, if uh, deforestation was a country, it would be the third largest uh, polluter, uh, emitter of uh, CO2 in the world after the United States and China. You know, how, how do we fund, from the Green Deal approach, how do we fund uh, this kind of transformation which is necessary? How do we, uh, what are the budget lines in the Green Deal to help uh, achieve transformation outside of Europe, working with producer countries uh, and uh, other partners? Allow me to say that uh, clearly the work that we are engaged to do it's country by country. Uh, I think that we have uh, we we can see some problematic by key sector. You know, if we take about cocoa, it's clear that we were we are clearly working with Ghana, with Ivory Coast, with Cameroon, the biggest producer of of cocoa. But looking now into the matter, the clearly the is that we work in the next seven 
many years with all the big countries or regions that uh, have an impact on deforestation. And the instrument that the commissioner just mentioned, of course, uh, will be this mix of, of, of a policy instrument that we will have. And one will be clearly this EU forest partnership. So the idea is clearly working in agreement with partner countries. I think that uh, I absolutely agree with all the other speakers in saying dialogue, dialogue with the countries, dialogue with the public sector in the countries, but also the producer, but also the civil society will be a, a, an important element, but dialogue have to be there. So uh, with this forest partnership, uh, we will try to put in place a common vision for, for forest, a common vision to tackle deforestation, and we will have to, to, to build, uh, take into account the different perspectives coming from the impact on climate change, on biodiversity, on growth and the jobs, on the on the impact of the producer that uh, we, we just mentioning, and also on the right of local communities, because we know also that the local communities uh, have rights and, and are essential also also to, to build and to fight against uh, deforestation. So uh, it, it will be really a mix of measures and a strong dialogue that will take place country by country and region by region. Let's take one country, not to, to isolate Brazil, but uh, you, dialogue doesn't seem to be working with President Bolsonaro. His uh, official policy seems to be with the forest, burn, baby, burn, because nothing which is said was working. He's a, his his uh, voter base supports deforestation. His, the smallholders in Brazil are encouraged to, to continue to destroy the, the forest, largely by burning, and uh, nothing seems to be changing there. How do we work with uh, belligerent countries? I'm not asking you, I know you can't speak uh, directly about uh, Brazil in this regard necessarily, but how do we work with belligerent countries who simply won't listen? Carla? About Brazil, that, that, that's why we we are moving with this mix of instruments between the mandatory and the non-mandatory. Of course, now the mandatory legislation will be there, so there will be a clearly impact on 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 imports from um, um, commodities that will not respect these these rules. But it's it's not just the mandatory approach; it's also the dialogue and the the accompanying measures that we would like to put in place to facilitate the role of these uh, uh, partner countries that will work on, on this. So clearly the mandate, the legislative, um, the due diligence will be there, the mandatory approach will be there. So commodities that will not be in conformity with the new legislation will not be uh, possible to import in Europe, but uh, uh, this will be the case for some countries and, of course, with many other countries, with, uh, we suppose and we hope with all the accompanying measures that we want to put in place with the producer, with the governance, uh, with the certification process, with the monitoring process that we will put in place, we hope to be able to support the countries to, to face and to be in conformity with uh, the new legislation, so without avoiding a big impact on the on imports. 
Thank you. Uh, to our audience, please send in your questions. We're going to uh, turn your questions over to uh, the panel in just a few minutes. Uh, let's go back to, to Marta uh, on this as well. You, you work for Cargill, which is, is a massive uh, company uh, with a huge global footprint as well. Uh, you, you know, in terms of innovation, what role does innovation uh, play in your strategic view of how to manage deforestation? A mute. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you very much for the question. And I think, I mean, the role of innovation is indeed critical. And as I was mentioning earlier, it's really how we build on, on innovations in the area of uh, geospatial or satellite monitoring to help verify really land use. So that's really what we're concentrating on. And, and I think maybe, I mean, since you mentioned Cargill, so yes, as Cargill, we're putting as well uh, our innovative hats, I mean, on to see, okay, how can we find new solutions, not just from the company, but from the wider community. So in 2020, we funded uh, or we launched a land innovation fund, um, which is really helping. I mean, we, we put, I think, something around the 30 million mark, which is administered by another company, Chemonics International, and is really looking into what are those kind of projects that can come in place. I mean, both working with governments, but at farmers level, and also in terms of, uh, of other partners in the supply chain to really come with uh, innovative solutions. And when I say that, I mean, it's, it's really more from um, really programs that are going to help farmers adopt more sustainable practices, um, helping with the know-how on new technologies or, or um, for instance, with local governments really helping on finding new fiscal measures that they can apply. And, and not only with, uh, again, at national level, but it's really very important, as I think we've heard um, earlier, how we work at different levels of jurisdictions, right? How we, look, we work with the regional level and with the local level as well in, uh, in finding these solutions. Thank you. How do you see innovation in this uh, pitch as well? Is, is it something that's it's a, it's on your policy statement or is it something which is just wishful thinking when it comes to dealing with small producers? No, it's, it's definitely not wishful thinking. And I think it also gives possibilities in countries like Brazil to find solutions. Uh, Solidaridad is working in Brazil with farmers uh, in livestock and soy. Uh, also with support of the Land Innovation Fund that Marta mentioned. But working with farmers to uh, create business models uh, for farmers to uh, uh, expand their production without deforesting. And that does require uh, indeed innovative approaches, uh, integration of, uh, of soy farming with livestock farming, using new technologies. Um, and so there is a lot possible. And, and I think that can also help in a country like Brazil, because I think it's important to realize that uh, it is difficult to work with the, the, the federal government in Brazil at the moment, but Brazil is huge. Um, and there are a lot of farmers that really uh, are eager to find solutions to work without deforestation. And, and the role for the private sector there will be larger possibly than in other countries, but a lot can be done uh, um, and it's not always necessary to work with the federal government. Uh, there are state governments in Brazil that are really eager to reduce deforestation in their state. So as also in a country like Brazil, a lot can be done, but it does require cooperation and uh, working together on the ground. Yeah, just to follow on that, if you take Brazil, for example, these smallhold farmers, 
they, the, the income differential is really the, the, the point here, and it's a price point. So if innovation can help uh, increase their margin at different ends uh, of, of the supply chain as well, uh, is that something that, that we need to support, that we need to look at, for example, digital technology? Uh, Carlos Nora, I'm going to come to Carlos on this in just a second. So it's, it's, uh, do, do you see evidence of this in your own work with these producers that you know, if, you, if you speed up the supply chain, if you make the certification process less burdensome, things like that, they help with uh, the, the profit margin and that incentivizes uh, the small uh, producers to, to get on board and to do the, do the job properly. Absolutely, and, and, and we see this in Brazil where we, uh, in the Amazon area, work with small farmers that combine production of cocoa uh, and, and livestock where more intensive production, so uh, getting more production uh, per hectare uh, and thus requiring less expansion can help farmers to uh, uh, increase their income without uh, cutting down the forest and in the end much comes back to the question how can you make sure that it pays more to let the forest standing than to cut down the forest and that is about innovation and that is indeed uh, can also be supported by, by digital tools to improve uh, production um, and and yeah do you also, think we need a global uh, cap policy no not a global cap policy but what can help here is to make sure that the carbon markets that we are creating okay. is not only profiting the large farmers but uh, can also help to uh, reduce deforestation by smallholders. And, and that's not about uh, uh, massive subsidies, that is about uh, uh, building a system that pays for performance. Excellent. Thank you. Carla, I, they gave you a green deal in, in your job description and they thought that wasn't enough, so they added on digital as well. So how do you see this in terms of, of the innovation model and, and the capacity for digital to impact on, on uh, uh, the, the benefits for, the, for stopping deforestation? Uh, I will answer to you, but uh, allow me to support what Gert just sure. said about Brazil, because you were mentioning Brazil, uh, only mentioning, of course, the government approach, but very uh, support what Gert said, that also in, in a country like Brazil, we can do a lot working with the, the small producer and, and, and the civil society that are there. So we need to continue to put our pressure and our work into this. Now, about in the, the innovation and the, the innovative efforts and the initiative, allow me to say that, of course, the digital will be a key element in the development of all this matter, but also the, the, all the system that we're putting in place for the monitoring of deforestation and uh, have a look how we are using, for example, the European Space Agency through Copernicus just to ensure sure the monitoring of deforestation and the, uh, all the uh, supply chaining uh, mapping effort to place uh, of the production uh, into the point of consumption. So uh, clearly uh, this uh, um, all effort on the digital, all the effort in, in identifying the, the data, it's essential of course after we come also 
uh, on the on the objective to make this data useful for a specific uh, policy purpose. Uh, but innovation will come also uh, at the level of the governance, eh? uh, governance level in our partner countries. I think that there is a lot of uh, innovative approach that we can put in place uh, in working with the local authorities. Allow me once again to take an example of uh, what we are doing uh, with uh, the, the COCOA sector. It's a deepened dialogue, it's a digitalization into this that it's uh, coming on board, but it's also all the focus on research, uh, research to identify other ways in uh, producing the COCOA in a COCOA that could be sustainable. And we are putting uh, a lot of efforts, for example, in the in the in research in the agricultural sector, looking to the agroecology, how a production that will move into an agroecology uh, criteria can uh, allow us and can allow the small producer to, to, to have a sustainable product that can enter into the chain. So absolutely uh, innovation and the innovative approach uh, will continue to be key. Thank you. I think eating less chocolate is not likely to be a popular policy approach. But Marta, over to you. You want to respond there? You know, it's just building on that okay. because I think indeed, and that innovation is probably helping both. I think again, is is increasing transparency, right, of, of what companies are doing, how they're doing it. Because I mean, thanks to technology, we're now able to really see exactly what is happening on the ground, exactly really get to levels where where in the past we couldn't uh, so far. Right. So that's on the one hand is that increase of transparency that would help as well in the implementation of the due diligence and traceability. And then on the other hand, innovation, I mean, again, coming back to to those carbon markets that were mentioned. Right. So how are we going to be supporting farmers to find those financial tools that that can help them really um, accelerate progress, right? What, and, and offer them measures that will offer them uh, concrete incentives for producing differently. So I think there's still probably a lot of work to be done in that area of green bonds, etc. But I think it's uh, it's really a, an area to explore because at the end of the day, if we're really going to move the needle, what we need is to find ways in which we're going to be incentivizing farmers to produce differently as well. Thank you. Let's take some questions uh, now. Uh, first one was from Stan, who said the Commissioner mentioned individual sectors. Uh, what can the cocoa sector expect when uh, being singled out? I think we've covered some of that. Anybody else want to add any further remarks to that? No? Okay, another one from uh, Andre Nassar. He asks, how do we deal with the fact that countries have different legislations regarding deforestation? I think Marta mentioned working in different jurisdictions earlier. Marta, you know, how do we how do we work with the, the different uh, legislations uh, jurisdictions when you're dealing with deforestation? Do do we go with a big stick from Europe and say this is the way it's got to be if you're going to play in our market, or do we have to be more flexible? Mm. Thank you for the question. No, I think there are different levels or layers maybe within that question. I think one of them is indeed what we we see in Europe is probably different approaches also at country level maybe. I mean, just not within Europe, but also outside Europe. So it's really looking in how can we have that type of, well, EU or European, but also international approach. So how do we find also ways in which countries and governments can continue having this conversation on a government to government setting and also including at international level? 
um, because it is there is a need to agree exactly on as much as possible on, on having harmonized ways, right? In terms of defining, uh, you know, the, the definitions of deforestations or a forest conversion, etc. So finding an agreement at that level, I think it would go a long way to to helping. And and indeed, I mean, of course, then it's I think is what the commission was also mentioning. This needs to be done in partnership with producing countries and also with other consuming governments. So at the end of the day, I think even you know opportunities like uh, the COP26 and the Biodiversity uh, Convention meeting, I think they are great opportunities as well for that uh, international level discussion on on uh, on uh, on the problem of, of, of forest protection. Okay, Hurt, on the same element, you know, is the push element stronger or the pull element stronger in the sense that you know, if you want to play in our market, which is huge for most suppliers, um, you need to come in on our, on our terms. Is that sufficient incentive for people to get their act together when it comes to deforestation? Well, in, in the long term, um, you will need um, business models for farmers uh, that gives them a future um, and possibilities to uh, increase production uh, or an income without deforesting. So that is, in the end, what needs to be the basis. Farmers need to have an income, and, and if they can't earn an income, they will find ways um, um, so in the end, that's where it, it's all about. And then also coming back to Andre Nassar's question, uh, yeah, it will be a combination uh, uh, of of government measures, also locally, uh, and and uh, um, stimulating measures from the supply chain. And, and a country like Brazil has a fairly well uh, developed environmental uh, policy. Um, but what needs to be done is to bring that uh, together into uh, a really um, uh, scheme of working scheme of things that does stimulate farmers to expand without uh, cutting down the forest. Um, and that can be done. Let me, let me uh, go to Carl on this just to follow on something the commissioner said. He said the previous uh, uh, legislation, this, it was very difficult to enforce. Uh, and uh, you know, from, from other experiences that we have with the Green Deal as well, how do we, yeah, just following off what Hertz said, how do we get enforcement uh, done properly? So if, if Brazil has good framework there, but it's not uh, been applied rigorously, how, how do we in Europe uh, enforce this process? Brian, if you allow me, I would like just to 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 say something on the, on the previous comment that that Marta and Gert were sure. just working on this because uh, you were mentioning about our role with at the international level and allow me really to to support what was said that we need to continue to work at international level about this legislation with other countries because uh, uh, you know uh, we must be aware that the European Union markets will have a limited impact on stopping deforestation. So we really need to continue to work with all other major consumer countries and to steer also the, 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 the process, to steer the, the, the fact that also other consumer countries adopt mandatory measures to stop imported deforestation. I think we have work on into this, for example, in the context of the flagged action plan. And 
and uh, but really we need to continue to work with us japan australia korea and uh, also with uh, china um, because it will be really very very important that we have uh, i would say a common approach uh, into this subject uh, at international level. So we will continue to, to work into this with also our partner countries, not just uh, at the EU level. Um, now, on, on your question, of, of course, we say uh, everything that it's about uh, the legislative process uh, will need, will require time to to be implemented and uh, we will have to put all the efforts uh, in into this we know we i think that the commissioner clearly mentioned our experience on the voluntary um, partnership uh, agreement on the, the VPA. Uh, I know that, uh, and also Gert, I think I mentioned this, that uh, it will be very important to continue, continue the work that was done. Of course, it was not enough. I think that we all agree that it was not enough, but uh, we have succeeded in any case to improve in many countries uh, the, the governance. And uh, with the dialogue in many countries, we have succeeded to have a fast step not everything that we would uh, we were supposed to have so uh, any legislation will take time and uh, and will take a lot of efforts from all the all the level and we'll need to be engaged into this and this is the reason why we uh, together with once again this mix of instrument we will delight to accompany uh, this uh, um, eu diligence legislation with an strategic partnership uh, putting place some measures that will allow to facilitate the implementation of the, the, the new legislative process. Carla, just on the international side as well, tomorrow morning actually I'm leading a program here on the, the, the capacity for United States, Europe and China to work together uh, to, to, and, uh, to, to speed up the climate change uh, process uh, as well. Uh, do, you, do you see that the international partnerships, do, do we need everybody on board? Do we need COP26 uh, uh, to deliver here? Or do we need strong strategic partners like United States and uh, to some degree uh, China as well to, to get this done more quickly? As you say, it takes time. Can these processes with uh, key players speed up the process without a full international agreement? What do you think? Of course, of course, yes. You 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 said, but we need to to start with the 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 big players okay. and and to build on this. Here, it's, uh, it's a question here from Julia Christian. I don't know how accurate this is, but I try to check it on. on maybe you you were able to clarify. How does the European Commission explain that nearly none of the major producer countries are included in the list for forest partnerships? I assume it's the voluntary uh, partnerships. Do you know if that's accurate? Well, if it's coming from Julia, I guess it's accurate, um, <laughs> knowing her. Um, well, what the Commissioner said is that the, 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 the one voluntary uh, partnership agreement that has really been uh, effective has been the one with uh, Indonesia. And I think that is the case. Um, and, and yeah, I think that does require really looking into the design of these partnerships and to see what we can learn from what went wrong and do it in a better way. Thank you. Um, we have a couple more questions here. Just let me check. 
And any direct payments, somebody anonymous says, are direct payments to countries for nature protection rather than to the forestry sector not a more efficient approach? Marta, any opinion on that? I think that's for Hertz, maybe. Hertz? I'm trying to spread the response well, here a little bit. I, 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 <laughs> no, I, I think it can be a, a combination of the two. And what is crucial in the end is that both countries and farmers feel stimulated when they reduce deforestation. And then coming back to Brazil again, Brazil has shown in the past uh, that it is definitely able to reduce deforestation in a, in, in a dramatic way. Um, what I think what went wrong is that Brazil in the past did not feel appreciated and did not really have the idea that the international community was rewarding them for, for what was being done. And I think that needs to be done different, both at government level and at farm level. And that and if that's through payment for nature or for carbon, yeah, for me, I think both can be possible. Julia has responded. Thank you, Julia. Uh, she said she meant the forest partnerships, not the VPAs. Uh, Brazil, Indonesia, uh, Ivory Coast and Paraguay are not included. Thank you for clarifying that. And anonymous, it could be a different anonymous, we don't know. How can the shift to a circular economy and growing demand for wood be, combi be combined with halting deforestation? Carla, square that circle. How do we how do I, we uh, how do we reduce uh, deforestation while demand is growing with the circular economy thrown in for good measure? I think we need to to cope with both objective and uh, deforestation will be there, and we need to continue to work on the, into the circular economy, and uh, that's that that will be clear to to reduce the waste, to reduce many many other things. So uh, uh, it's clear that the the we need to have both objective in our mind and focusing on both. Thank you. Let's uh, go to our concluding remarks. We're pretty close on time now. Herod, do you want to kick off with your, your soundbite to finish? Um, well, what I want to say as final words is that I think Europe can play an important role in reducing deforestation, but that it is crucial that we combine legislation on deforestation um, to clean up our supply chain uh, with partnerships uh, with producing countries and invest in smallholder inclusion. And if we do that, we can both clean up our supply chain and play an important role in reducing global deforestation. Excellent. Thank you. Carla, your soundbite. Uh, I think that uh, allow me to conclude that we, we all know what's needed to, to, to be done to, to stop deforestation and how to do it. And, uh, and we really need to, to find a sustainable and sustainable solution for, for our for, forest. I think we can succeed to do that, but really we need to join, force with, uh, join forces with all the key actors uh, working on this, coming from the small uh, agriculture to the industry and to the civil society, to the government. So really joint forces and join the resources. Thank you. Marta, last word. 
Thank you. Thanks. Um, so indeed, I mean, just wanted to say our sectors continue very engaged in this sustainability journey. That's the first thing. And I think um, the EU initiative against deforestation, including mandatory due diligence, should also take into consideration the existing engagements that are already there to transform supply chains and really work hand in hand with those to improve production practices. And I think maybe what we mentioned as well is that we need continuous dialogue at government to government level in different settings, whether it is bilateral or multilateral level. And, and put really focus as well on, on green diplomacy so that it can both work on the private sector side and on the, you know, with the civil society and governments that we can, we can all work together to find a solution. Rights, roles and responsibilities. Thank you to our panel, uh, Samira, Carla, Hertz and Marta. Also thank you to uh, Commissioner Sinkovicius for taking the time uh, to be with us uh, today as well. And uh, thanks to our team here, who you can see, uh, they're right with me, Evie, uh, Simona, Malta and to our sponsors, Costral, Fidiol and FIFAC. Thank you to our audience for your participation and your energetic uh, questions today as well. I wish you a good evening. I'm Brian McGuire.